Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. One of the abiding emblems of Christmas is that of bells. The sound of bells were thought to perform cures and miracles. Bells called people to worship. Church bells sounded out warnings. Bells were sounded at weddings. But most importantly, the sound of bells was thought to be something wondrous. In the day that we're living in, we could ring bells of warning. But I prefer to ring the bells of wonder. Because Hebrews 7 gives us part of the reason that Christ came into this world. It says, This man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, where he is able to save them to the uttermost, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. This is the high priest who became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, but made higher than the heavens. Here on Daily Devotion this week, I want to talk about the bells of wonder. During this Christmas season, bells are frequently sounded. It's the sound of the man at the Salvation Army. It's the sound of silver bells being sung. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow who united the Christmas season with bells. He wrote a poem later set to music entitled Christmas Bells. It was December 25, 1861, that Longfellow wrote in his diary, How inexpressibly sad are all holidays. What prompted that statement? The Civil War had started eight months prior. His son Charles had gone off to war. Six months prior, his wife had been sealing an envelope with wax. The wax dripped onto her skirt, caught a fire, and she ran to Henry's study where he batted out the flames, but not in time. His wife perished. A year after that incident, he wrote, I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. December 25, 1862, his journal entry read, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but there is no more for me. And then it was the summer of 1863. His son contracted typhoid fever and malaria and was sent home to recuperate. Longfellow tended Charles until he was well. During his recuperation, Charles' company fought a battle at Gettysburg, and had he not been sick, he would have been there. Charles went back to war. In early December 1863, word came to the Longfellow home that Charles had been wounded in the Mine Run campaign. Longfellow raced to Washington. He found his son alive. The bullet had nicked his spine but not brought paralysis. He took his son home for Christmas. December 25, 1863, there was nothing in Longfellow's journal that day. But on Christmas Day the next year, Longfellow wrote the familiar words in his journal. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
For some listening to me, you may not hear those wondrous bells. Life has hurt you so bad, beaten you down, that your journal is empty. Your pen lays dormant. Empty pages stare at you, and you wonder, what do I have to be thankful for? But one day soon, the joy bells will ring again, and you will capture that original sense of well-being, that God is on his throne, that all is well, and the hurt will heal, and help is on the way. As I mentioned before, bells have been used for warning. To this day, great vessels that ply the seas with their sophisticated guidance system are still required to have a functioning bell. On foggy nights and narrow channels, the peeling of bells can keep ships from colliding. That text that we read in Hebrews was filled with warning bells written to a people whose lives were about to be upended. This letter was written only seven years before the destruction of Jerusalem's beautiful and beloved temple. I could easily sound the five warning bells throughout the Hebrew letter. I could tell you of them. They're found in the second, third, fifth, tenth, and twelfth chapters of the book. The first warning bell is the danger of drifting. The second warning bell is the danger of falling short. The third, the warning of falling away. And the fourth alerts us to the apostasy of turning our back on Jesus. And the fifth and final bell tolls the doom of all those who are without hope. They are ponderous, peeling, somber tones. As impossible, though, as it may seem, there are also joy bells ringing through the book of Hebrews. Between the solemn warnings is the resonating sound of deep confidence. For though the temple falls, we have something better than the temple. We have a better sacrifice, a better altar, a better sanctuary, and a better high priest, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ this remarkable high priest. Many priests worked around the Jewish temple, but only one was high priest. It was this man who had the responsibility to annually enter into the most holy place to offer that sacrifice for the sin of God's people on the blood-spattered mercy seat of the ark. This high priest could not be blind. Jesus sees. He could not be lame. Jesus can walk even on water. He could not have a withered hand. Jesus' arm can reach you. He could not be defiled. Jesus is without sin. He could not walk into a place where a dead body lay. Jesus did, but he solved that problem by raising the dead. The high priest could not marry a dishonored woman. Jesus has a bride. She is holy, pure, dressed in garments white as snow. The high priest had to abstain from wine and strong drink. Jesus did so and refused a narcotic at Calvary. This high priest, the writer of Hebrews says, he became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Not only does Jesus fulfill the qualifications of high priest, he performs the duties of the high priest, chief among them, is he intercedes for us all. The high priest must make certain the fires remain lit on the altars. You read chapters two and three of Revelation, and you will see Jesus walking amongst the seven golden candlesticks. You will hear Jesus say, I wish a fire was kindled on earth. 
you will find the Spirit of the Lord sending cloven tongues like as a fire upon the earth. The high priest must make certain the tables of showbread are filled with fresh bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the true bread of heaven. The high priest must make certain that a sweet-smelling fragrance arise from the golden altar of incense. For when the praises of God go up, when those small smoke clouds of prayer and praise ascend, then it permits the glory cloud to come down and be ushered in, and his train will fill the temple. But the most important thing the high priest does is to intercede. The high priest stood in the gap for God's people. He was the vital link between earth and heaven. He was the connection between God and man. This sounds like an unusual word, doesn't it? Intercedes. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is alive to intercede for us. But before I speak of the Lord's intercession, think about your intercession, mine. When we pray, we too link earth with heaven. It's still the favorite Bible that I own. I saved up money to buy this Bible. I went to a local Christian bookstore as a young teen and bought it a Navy Leather Schofield Bible. I can't pick it up without traveling back over the many, many years that God led me through that book. The story behind the Bible is profound. A woman died giving birth to a child. Her dying request was whispered to her husband and the few family members nearby. Her dying prayer was that the child born, Cyrus Schofield, would be used of God. He was never told of this prayer until after he printed the Schofield Reference Bible. I love that. We pray for others. But listen to Jesus as he intercedes for us. He stands in the gap for you and me. Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you as wheat, but I I prayed for you. The Bible says that our high priest lives to make intercession for us. So ring in the valiant man and free, the larger heart, the kindlier hand. Ring out the darkness of the land. Ring in the Christ that is to be. Bells are only mentioned twice in Scripture, both in the Old Testament. The last mention is of some bells on war horses in Zechariah. The first and most significant mention is in Exodus. Aaron, the high priest, is being clothed for service. From the top of his head, where he wore the miter that said holiness to the Lord, to the base of his garment, God dictated how this high priest should be dressed. His dress was important, for he would bridge the gap between a holy God and a sinful man. Tiny pomegranates of yarn were fashioned to the hem of his garment. One would be blue, the next purple, the next scarlet. But between these fabric pomegranates was something else, golden bells. Bells sounding that indicated the high priest was still alive, that the high priest was still moving beyond the veil on our behalf. Jesus is our high priest and his sound can be heard. Do you remember what John said? He told us that we shouldn't sin, but if we did sin, we have a high priest, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
We bring our prayers to him, though we stand in filthy rags, and though we have made so many mistakes. But he takes our prayers and adds to them his prayers, and he intercedes for us. Spurgeon once said that prayer pulls the rope down below, and the great bell rings above in our ears. He who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all of his might. Let the bells ring. The golden bells on the high priest's garment served a purpose. It meant that the high priest was still alive and moving on our behalf. And our high priest, Jesus Christ, ever lives to make intercession for us. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the bells are ringing. When the enemy shouts, you failed God, we hear the bells ringing. When we are down and out, we can't see what God is doing, the bells are ringing. Our heavenly high priest is daily making intercession for us. I hear the bells. I hear the bells ringing in heaven. So long as he is alive, he makes intercession. He is standing up for you and I. But pastor, I'm down and out, but I still hear the bells. You may say I'm broken without a job, but I hear the bells. The rent is due and the bills are piling up, but I still hear the bells. I'm sick and tired of this world, but can you hear the bells? He is touched with the feelings of your infirmities, and he daily lives to make intercession. Golden bells are ringing. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.